All right, let's give the kids a good hand as they go their way. God bless you all. want to thank you for being with us today. Also, um, you should have received an outline on your way in. Did everybody receive one of these? If you didn't, raise your hand, and we'll make sure you get one. Okay, and I believe uh, we want to welcome all of you that are joining us online as well, and I believe the outline will also be posted there for you so you can follow along with us. Uh, Let's all open our Bibles today to the book of Isaiah, and while you turn there, just want to thank you for being with us today. We are going to continue our teaching on angels, and today what I want to do is look at the nature of of angels. That's the title of the message today. And uh, many of you know that the prophet I really like, if I had a favorite prophet, he is Isaiah. And uh, in this passage of Scripture, we find Isaiah uh, encountering an angel. And I want you to notice that he is in the temple, and he's worshiping God. The Bible says this in Isaiah 6. We're going to read verses 1 through 8. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of His robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above Him, each having six wings. With two He covered His face, and with two He covered His feet, and with two He flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. I'm going to say that again. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of Him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with the burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs, and he touched my mouth with it, and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Bow with me in prayer. Father, today I pray that you would speak to our heart, that you would penetrate every recess of that heart. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would change us in any way we need to be changed and make us aware, O Lord, of who you are and what you're doing in this world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Here in this passage of Scripture, Isaiah, the prophet, sees an angel called a seraphim fly with a live coal or a hot coal from the fire that was being presented before God. Now, the Bible says that when that coal touched Isaiah's mouth, that his sin or his iniquity was taken away and his sin was forgiven. Now, think about that for just a second. Who are we talking about? Whose mouth did that coal touch? 
the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah is a man of God. Isaiah is a believer in God. And yet he says, I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. And after the angel touched him, he said, you're cleansed and your iniquity is forgiven. This was a man of God, yet still in need of God. Can you say, I still need God? Church, America still needs God. And God sent Isaiah an angel, and not just an angel, a seraphim. Now, I want you to see that when the prophet of God saw the angels of God, he was undone. You see, angels called seraphim are before the throne of God, and they are always beholding God, and they are always in the presence of God, so they take that presence with them everywhere they go. That's why when people met angels, they fell on their face. Because the glory of God was on them, just like when Moses was on the mountain and he received the Ten Commandments and he comes down off the mountain, he's glowing because he's been in the presence of God. And people could not handle, they were like, veil yourself. You see, I believe if we really saw God in all of his glory, we'd all be on the deck. Now this angel is called a seraphim. And he is there before the throne of God. And I want you to notice that as they go by, they say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Of all the characteristics of God, they cry holy. Do you see a theme running here? Because Isaiah is supposed to be a holy man of God, yet he knows that within himself he is not holy. And when he's in the presence of holy, he recognizes how sinful he really is. This angel, this seraphim, they are a six-winged angel with two they cover, the Bible says, their face. With two they cover their feet. And with two they fly. They appear as glowing flames of fire. Keep that in your thoughts. Write it down if you're taking notes. They appear as glowing flames of fire. And it was awesome. Now listen again to what the angel said in verse uh, 7. He says, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? That is the word of the Lord through this angel. Whom shall I send and who will go? How many of you know that not all who are sent go? Not all who are called obey. But he says, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah, what did he say? Here am I. Send me. Send me. There is still a major purpose of angel activity today. They are moving today now upon fresh winds and fresh uh, words of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says to assist the saints to do the same works that Jesus did. I've talked about this, Hebrews 1, verse 14. What are the angels about? They are ministering spirits right here sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. 
So we have been given angels, and they flash about like lightning. They strike the enemies of Jesus in the Word of God. They ambush hell's forces. They fulfill God's prophetic words. They enforce uh, declarations of of God's people that are based on Scripture. The Bible says what we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We can bind the devil and we can loose angels. Are you with me today? You see, they are helping to usher in what is taking place now as we live and walk in these last days. Angels currently right now are at work releasing God's activity into his remnant. How many of you know that God has always had a remnant? He's always had people. If you take all of the carpet in this house but you only cut out a little bit or you come with a bunch of carpet and you totally recarpet this house, there's going to be a little bit left over and we call it a remnant. Now, it, it, it's not a part anymore of all of this, but it is from all of this. And what God is saying is there's many people who, who call him Lord, but there's only truly a remnant that are walking and living for him. And those are the people who get serious about God and who are serious about God that God will use. And he, those are the ones that God are saying, who can I send? And I pray that the remnant today says, here am I, send me. Amen? We are entering into days where the power of God is being experienced among his faithful remnant. And God has always had a remnant. But there has never been a time like this time. There has never been a time where the ancient of days is, is showing up like he has so far. There is, I believe, yet to come another great awakening that this nation will see. We are not yet done with the presence and power of God, and God is not yet done with us. The Ancient of Days has angel armies I've talked to you about, and they're going to be involved. The Holy Spirit is going to be rising again in fresh ways in these last days. Now is the time for fresh fire to touch the church so that the gates of hell will not prevail against us. This explosion of dunamis power will, will, will see millions saved and brought into the kingdom of God. It will harmonize the generations. It will cause them to march with determination and to run with great passion. This generation will stand up in faith and refuse to compromise. There will now be a fresh and bold declaration that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that there is no other way to the Father except through Him. Today, is the day to be focused. Today, we will not be confused. Today, we will not vacillate. Today, we will not hesitate. And we will not be silenced. Can I hear an amen? This last day's move of God will not be intimidated, passive, or concerned about being politically correct. It will be biblically correct. It will not be double-minded. It will not be cowering in fear because this last day's move of God will be one that burns with the fire, literally, of God's presence just like in Isaiah's day. 
And the Holy Spirit is setting on fire his remnant. And this remnant knows that they know who they are and they know whose they are. And they walk with unwavering commitment to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Are you one of them? You see, we are entering into the greatest time of history of all time. I believe it with all my heart. How many have read the end of the book? How many of you know that the times get difficult before they get better? How many of you know that there's a great falling away before there's a great awakening? How many of you know that there has to be a place of time when there's darkness for light to show up and set it, on, set it free? Amen? And the Bible, you know, a lot of times we think God's, God, you know, we're waiting on God. Can I just remind you who spoke first? Did Isaiah say, would you send me? Or did the angel say, who will go? You see, we're waiting on God, but I got news for us today. God's waiting on us. Okay? The Holy Spirit is waiting on us. And if we are out of step, can I just say that he will visit you to get in step? How many of you see people that say they're a believer in Jesus, but they don't walk like Jesus? I'm going to tell you, they're out of step with Jesus. And the one that will put him in line is not you. It's the Holy Ghost. Who will go for us? You see, when the angel touched Isaiah's lips, the question was, who will go for us? All God is listening for is here am I. Send me. I'll go. I want to share something with you today about the remnant. When Jesus was crucified and placed in the grave, and he rose on the third day, he showed himself to many people. The Bible says that there were at least 500. When he ascended, there were 500 there that day. And that day he said, Terry, until the Holy Spirit comes, wait. Now I want to ask you a question. As you read Acts chapter 2, how many do you remember hearing in number that were in the upper room? Were there 500? No, there weren't. There were 120. One hundred and twenty. Where were the other three hundred and eighty? Where were the other nearly four hundred people? We're talking about nearly one fifth is all that did it. We're talking about a remnant. We're talking about a group that says, I will pay close attention to what my master just got through saying. Now I wanna I wanna ask you something this. Do you believe that right now as I preach, there are angels all around? Do you know that God's angels were created for a purpose? Well, let's, let's look at Hebrews 1.14 again. 
Are they not all ministering spirits? Because there's a word there I want you to capture. Sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit. Say it. Inherit salvation. If you inherit, what does that make you? You are called an heir. Now listen to this. Angels are sent for a purpose. They are organized. I've told you that. They are disciplined and organized into the army, and they are focused for their assignment. Guess what their assignment is? We are their assignment. You are angels' assignments. Remember Hebrews 1.14, angels are ministering spirits sent out to render service to those who inherit salvation. Now pay close attention to what I'm about to say here. One who inherits is called a heir, so angels are sent by God to assist his heirs, those who believe in him, those who receive him, those who live for him. And in a very real sense, angels are, as Pastor Tim Sheets says, God's air force, H-E-I-R. I love that word. I love it when I see and I hear those F-16s and that F-35 Lightning II fighter jet flying over my house out of Luke Air Force Base. By the way, did you know it's the biggest one in the world that trains for the F-16s and the F-35s right here in our backyard? I love it when I hear that because it is the sound of protection. It is the sound that I know America's Air Force is watching over us. It is the sound of don't mess with the U.S. Amen? And folks, just like America has that air force, God has an air force, an H-E-I-R force. When those jets fly over my house, they are organized. When the angels fly into our midst, they are organized. They can open up the heavens. They can shatter darkness. They can defeat evil. They can assist. They can deliver. They can rescue the heirs of salvation. Can I hear an amen? So listen, church, if God made angels to assist his heirs of salvation, don't you think it's time for his heirs to conclude that we need assistance? It's time for God, for his people to start releasing his air force. Think of this, even Jesus was surrounded his whole life, was surrounded and assisted by angels. Now, we may not get through all of this today, and that's okay. I might only get through three points that's on your outline today, and that's okay with me. We'll just keep doing it as long as it takes. But I want you to see this. When Jesus came, before he came, there was angel activity. Gabriel showed up. Gabriel talked to his mama. Gabriel said to his mom, you're going to be pregnant, but you're not going to be with any man. But what's going to come upon you is the Holy Spirit, and the baby you're going to have is going to be the Son of God. And that same angel, six months prior, had went to her relative, Elizabeth, saying, in you is going to be the one who's the forerunner, Cousin John. And Cousin John was a forerunner to Cousin Jesus. And boy, there's something about those J-men. I love to call them God's J-men. Their name begins with J. And I'm telling you what, there's a bunch of J-men in God's Word that God worked through. There's Job. There's Jacob. There's Joseph. 
There's Jesus. There's Jeremiah. I mean, there's some J-men. I mean, we have some G-men that are in our government, right? Yeah, God's got his J-men. And I think even Isaiah in, uh, probably make a J out of that somewhere. So listen, what I'm saying to us today is this. If God made his angels to assist us, don't you think we ought to be in, in concert with God? Look at Luke 1. Are you with me today? Look at verses 26 through 29. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. Skip over to chapter, the same chapter, verse 35. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her six months. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of, God, of the Lord, be it done unto me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Everybody say, that was Gabriel. Do you know who Gabriel is? Gabriel is an archangel, one of the archangels, and he is the archangel over all messenger angels. If you read in the book of Revelation, you will read about the angel of the church of Ephesus and the angel of the church of Smyrna. Literally, it is the Greek word angel is the word messenger. There are messenger angels. There are messenger angels that are sent to bring messages. And there are demons that try to keep them from coming. But here, as this messenger angel came to Mary, I want you to notice how she responded. What did she say? Let it be done unto me. Let it be done. In other words, I'm in agreement. Now look over at Luke chapter 2. We're all familiar with this around Christmas. I read this about every year. In the same reason, verse 8 says, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, just minding their own business, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord, everybody say, there it is again, suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is the, who Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with that angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts. So this one angel, all of a sudden there's a multitude of angels, and these begin to praise. And they begin to praise God. They begin to, to sing out to God, and notice what they say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. Angel activity before the birth, angel activity at the birth. Now slip over to Luke 22. Look at verses 39 and through 44. Getting something out of this? And he came out, and he proceeded, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples also followed him. And when he arrived at the place, he said to them, Pray that ye may not enter into temptation. 
And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and he began to pray, saying, Father, if thou art willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but thine be done. Now look at verse 43. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, watch this, strengthening him. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold, hold the horses. An angel of God strengthened the Son of God. Can I remind you when Jesus lived on this earth what he said he did? He laid down all of his rights to live on this planet as God the Son. His favorite word for himself, name for himself, was the Son of Man. He identified with us, so what he's showing us here is what angels will do to any man or woman who's walking with God. They're there to strengthen them. Do you see this? Now, the Bible goes on and says, And being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. He was going through, there is literally a physical medical condition for what he was going through. To where his blood literally was, it looked like, or his sweat looked like blood. Actually, it was bringing out blood. Extreme stress. But church, I want you to understand this, that God even sent angels for his son. So I want us to understand a little bit about angels. I want you to turn over to 2 Samuel chapter 14 and verse 20. Angels are not humans, and humans never become angels. When you die and you go to heaven, you will be human. You do not become an angel floating around on a cloud, strumming a harp, getting bored for life. Amen? I want you to understand something about angels, their nature. We're talking about their nature. They are aware of what's going on on earth. They're aware of earthly activity. Look at this in Second uh, Samuel 14 and verse 20. It says, In order to change the appearance of things, your servant Joab has done this thing, but my Lord is wise like the wisdom of the angel of God to know all that is in the earth. If you wonder, do angels know what's going on on earth? Absolutely. Do they know what's going on in your life? Absolutely. You've been assigned at least one. This verse says that they know what's going on in the earth and that they are wise. They are clever. They are hugely knowledgeable. And I want to just walk you through this one more time. What is Lucifer? A fallen angel. I talked to you before about archangels. He was one of them. He was one of them. But when he fell, he took one-third of the angels with him, but he is 
an angel. So he is wise. He is clever. He knows what's going on. Number two, not only are they aware of earthly activity, they understand authority. I want you to look at Jude, verse 9. There's only one chapter in that book. It's right before the book of Revelation at the end. In Jude, verse 9, the Bible says this, But Michael, the archangel, there's the third one, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but he said, the Lord rebuke you. Now, can I let you in on a secret? Michael is an archangel, but he is the archangel of the warring angels. Do you remember I said, I've got at least two, one angel for comfort and one angel for war. One for comfort, one for war. We saw the comfort one of Jesus there in the garden. But do you remember he said on the cross, he could call seven, he could have called, uh, he, he could have called 72,000, 12 legions of angels to get him down off the cross. Those would have been warring angels, let me, let me just tell you. We've read about a warring angel. Remember the angel against Sennacherib, the king of Assyria. God sent one angel and wiped out 185,000 of the enemy just like that. Amen. They understand authority. Michael didn't take it upon himself and within his own power. He is the archangel of the warring angels. Lucifer was the archangel of the worship. Remember those angels? Holy, holy, holy. He used to be their leader. He was the one that led worship in heaven. In fact, he was built with instruments in him, according to the Word of God, in Isaiah and in Ezekiel. Michael did not rail against the devil in accusation or judgment. He simply yet firmly used the delegated authority that he had been given from God and said, the Lord rebuke you. You see, he was there to take care of business, and that business was in reference to the body of Moses. You see, the devil knew the children of Israel. He knew how prone they were to, to idols wouldn't it just be like the Israel people if they could just have Moses' body somehow entombed in something and they would always go to Moses in the tomb, to that dead man? Do you know that's what religions do today that don't know God? They go to some dead place. They go to some, Buddha has, he died. Muhammad, he died. But they stayed dead. Jesus, oh yeah, he died, but you go to the tomb where he was laid, and he's not there. He rose from the dead, church. And see, what the devil wanted to do was get the, get the Israelites all confused and get them worshiping the man instead of God. And so the devil wanted the body of Jesus, or of Moses. Michael was sent by the Father to protect the body of Moses because by the time it's all said and done, the Bible says this, that God buried Moses. Now look at this, Deuteronomy 34, 6, the next verse on your outline. The Bible says, and he buried him, he, capital H, God buried him in the valley in the land of Moab 
opposite Beth Peor, but no man knows his burial place to this day. Where's Moses buried? We don't know. Know the mountain, but we don't know. Why? Because God buried him. Just like when God closed the door of the ark. When Moses went up on that mountain, he died alone in the presence of God. So no man knows, but Michael the archangel knows. He knows where he's buried. He knows because he was assigned to take care of Moses' body. So angels are aware of earthly activity. Angels understand authority. Jesus said this, Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. In other words, up until now, you haven't used my name to ask the Father for anything. You've just come to me. But he said, you're going to ask the Father in my name. And in the authority of that name, he's going to give you what you pray for. He said, in my name, you will cast out devils. Not in your name, not in your authority. I'll remind you again of the seven sons of a priest, a man of God. Seven sons of the priest Sceva tried to go out and cure a man of demon possession. And the one man, full of the devil, pounced upon the seven men in their own authority, trying to get rid of it. And they're like, "Uh, we know Paul, and we know Jesus, but we don't know who you are. And they beat him up. The Bible says not only were they beat up, they were stripped. But Jesus said, you will cast out devils in my name. You will lay hands on the sick in my name, and they will be healed. You will lay hands on the dead, and they will rise. The lame will walk. The blind will see. The deaf will hear. In other words, he said, the very same things that I did, I want you to do, and it's in my authority because I'm giving you the authority to tread on serpents and snakes over every evil thing. And the gates of hell will not prevail against you. I want to remind you today of what a gate is. A gate is not offensive. A gate is defensive. So that means hell is not coming at us. That means we're coming at hell. And it will not prevail. But how are we coming? How are we coming? We've got to come understanding authority. Number one, we've got to be aware of what's going on in the world, folks. We can't stick our heads in the sand and say, I just don't want to know all the bad stuff. We've got to know about it so we can pray about it, so we can release God's angels in the earth for it. And they understand authority. We've got to relearn again today the authority of God. And we got to walk in authority. I want to tell you something. It, when, when we violate God's authority, I don't care if it's in your house, with your family. I don't care if it's on the job. I don't care if it's in the church. I don't care if it's in the government. If you do not honor authority in the way in which God says to honor it, God cannot use you. 
If you cannot, it, it, I remember John Wimber. Anybody ever heard of him? John Wimber, he used to write songs for Vineyard Church. He was a pastor of a church out in, uh, in California of the Vineyard Church. I remember going to a conference that he had one time, and I will never forget. This is the main thing that I got out of the conference. He said, and it was a pastor's conference. He said, no one can truly call you pastor. You are not anyone's pastor truly until you find out how they respond when you tell them no. When you don't give them exactly what they want. If they get ticked off at you, they curse you, or they run out, and they say, I'll just go find another place, they're not, you're not their pastor. Why? Because they don't understand authority. Church, I want to tell you something. I am not a man that was born with a authoritative authority type of a personality. I just as soon stay quiet. Yet God said, I'm calling you, and I'm calling you to preach. And when God called me to preach, he loosed my tongue. He anointed me to preach the word of God. I know that that's why I was born. But I'll tell you what, it's hard. I don't care if it's a child, if it's a church member, if it's a work, worker on the job. If someone will not do what you have told them to do as their authority and what God has ultimately, especially within the church, said that we need to do or where we need to go, we're in trouble. And church, that was the devil's problem. He did not want to stay underneath God's authority. Say, we're not going to be that way at celebration. Amen. We're going to honor God's authority. Amen. Oh, it kind of feels a little heavy. Now I'm going to lighten it up a touch. Watch this. We're only going to get through three today. Angels, not only are they aware of earthly activity, not only do they understand authority. How many of you know? Well, just think about this. I got to get one more thing before I, before I go forward. How many of you know that Michael would have had to obeyed the father when he sent him to take care of Moses' body. How many of you know that Gabriel had to be under authority to go to Mary and speak to her? You see, they had to do what God said that he wanted them to do. But the Bible also says something about their nature in that they are joyful. Everybody say they're joyful. In Luke chapter 15 and verse 10, this is what Jesus himself said. He said, in the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. There's joy amongst the angels of God. When there is a salvation and one sinner repents before God, there is joy in heaven. Aren't you glad to know that you don't have some sad sack angel assigned to you floating around on some miserably dark rain cloud? I mean, God's angels, the Bible said they live in his presence, his presence. And what does King David say? Look at this in Psalm 1611. Do you remember? You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures evermore. 
Have you ever had a sad person around you? I always think of Eeyore. Love Tigger. Boy, he's excited for the day. You know, he's just excited. And Tigger, you know, Eeyore, he's just like, well, it's going to be a bad day just like it was yesterday. He's always got that little black rain cloud on him. It's just on him. It's only on him. It's shining everywhere else. But him, he's in the midst of sunshine. He can't see it because he's getting rained on with that black cloud. Everywhere he goes. And he takes that black cloud everywhere he goes. Sad assistants aren't very fun. Listen, church, angels sing. Angels shout. Job chapter 38 and verse 7. The Bible says that the angels of God shouted when God made the earth, when he created. When he created man, they shouted for joy. Heaven's happy. If you are used to moaning and groaning and you plan on going to heaven, you better get used to joy because that's what dwells in heaven. Amen? When you get there, you won't find any moaning. You won't find any groaning. There is no moan zone in heaven. Amen? I think that's a good place to say amen again. And that's where we're going to stop today. I want, you, I want you wanting more. I want you hungry for more. I, I've got a lot to give, but we're going to stop there today. So, Number one, what did you learn, first of all, about angels? They're aware, and they're wise. Number two, what, what else? They understand authority. And number three, they're joyful. They're joyful. God has assigned them to us. He wants us to learn how to release them. We need to understand them. Now, I'm going to say this again. I've said it in the last couple of times I've met with you. They are never to be worshipped. Every time you see them in God's Word and man falls down, almost as if in worship, you will hear the angels say, no, rise to your feet. I'm a fellow servant. You don't do that to me. Amen? Even though they have that presence, All they're doing is bringing God's presence into the world. That's what we should be doing, bringing God's presence into the world. Sometimes that presence is intense, caused all these people to fall. Amen? Sometimes it's joyous. And I want you to understand something. There is something, before I let you go, that we've got to understand, and there is something that we have got to come into a fine-tuned relationship with God on, and that is our worship. Those angels, those seraphim, what are they doing? They're, they're just worshiping God. And because they're worshiping God so much, they're in His presence so much. Church, the more you worship, the more of God you're going to get on you. And the more of God you get on you, the more of God you're going to take around everywhere you go. And I want to tell you something. You won't even have to say anything. People just say, man, what is it about you? I want what 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 is it that you what is it that, what is it that you have? They'll see it. 
I'm convinced that what we're about to see, church, is going to be such an outpouring of God's presence like that that people are literally, they're just going to be, they're going to drive by the church and their car is just going to go into the parking lot. The anointing is going to be here to such a degree. It's going to be on you. It's going to be on me. It's going to be on the people. It's going to be on uh, your pet. It's going to be on everything. It's going to be on the, the people are going to just be drawn. Amen. Bow with me today. Father, today I pray that you would open our heart and continue to speak to us, Lord, about how you want us to partner with the way you've made things. That you want us to partner with you, Lord God, and that you do use angels. That we are not to worship them, but we are to uh, allow them to assist and to do what you want to do with your heirs. We pray, Lord, that you will help us release the air force of God into this world, into our world, into our nation. Lord God, into our surroundings, into our families, into our jobs, into our relationships. And Father, I pray that as we learn about the way you've made things and angels and how they work and how, what they do, I pray, Lord, you'd help, it, help us be willing partners together with you, Lord Jesus, in this last day outpouring of God. And if you're in agreement with that, would you say a big amen? Amen. I love you guys. I pray that was something encouraging to your heart. Let somebody else know about this, okay? Bring them and uh, come back again next week. We're just going to keep on getting deeper and deeper in it, and it's going to get even better and better. Amen. So God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. Darkest places I will call Incline your ear to me anew And hear